A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Best in the World with Richard Parr, where we learn from Olympic champions, world champions, world record holders and world number ones every single week to find out exactly what they do to become the very best in their sports. This week on the Best in the World with Richard Parr, I speak to the Olympic curling champion Brad Jacobs. Alongside Ryan Fry and his cousins Ryan and EJ Harnden, Brad led Canada to a gold medal at the 2014 Sochi Games. On this podcast, he tells me what it's like competing and growing up in the sport with his cousins. The skip talks about the level of competition in Canada and the pressure of performing for his country at a Winter Olympics. Brad also reveals his fitness regime, his diet and his pre-game routine. You do not want to miss any of it on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. And you know what? Let's get straight to it. Let's listen from the very best. It's the curling Olympic champion, Brad Jacobs. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Brad Jacobs, Olympic curling champion, welcome to the best in the world with Richard Parr. So much to cover with you on this podcast, but of course we are leading up to another Olympic Games. And what I always find very strange is you are the Olympic champion, yet you have to qualify again to compete. Is that something that you think needs to change? Do you think that becoming champion you should be given a a space in the next Games or, or do you like the way that it's structured? Um, yeah, I think a lot of people kind of um, have the same sort of opinion that you do where they, they think it's strange. But in Canada, it's actually not strange at all because um, of how deep the field is in Canada in, uh, in men's curling. There's just so much parity and um, it makes full sense that you have to earn your way back to an Olympic Games as a uh, as a men's team in, in curling in Canada. So, um, cause there's really so many teams that could represent Canada, um, in world championships in the Olympic games, um, and could go and represent Canada and, and medal or even win. So, um, some people think it's strange, but it's not that strange at all in, in what we do and, uh, in Canada. With, with Canada being so competitive and, and so good, do you think that they should have more places at the Winter Olympics? Oh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think that uh, I think the system's really good the way that it is right now. Um, one team, one team earns their way. It makes it that much more special. We've we've been fortunate enough to 
to win the Olympic trials and represent Canada in the Olympics. And um, when you do that and you are that number one team that was able to accomplish that and go and represent your country, there's nothing like it. And I think to have other teams there, maybe a team that isn't playing quite as good as another team or, or whatever the case might be, it just wouldn't feel the same. So um, in my opinion, the system is perfect the way that it is. Uh, we, we go and we, we compete for years leading up to the Olympic trials in Canada. Um, the best teams over a consistent uh, time frame, uh, whoever's the most consistent over this time frame gets into the Olympic trials um, and uh, everyone goes out and competes one week and, and the best team comes out on top. Uh, but like I said, there, it could be, it's kind of a coin flip between several different teams. So, um, but I like the way that it is for sure. Mm, in some ways, and I've heard this from some of the American athletes in particular, they've said that the Olympic trials are harder than the Olympic Games. Is that something which holds true for you in curling? Well, um, you can answer that question uh, a couple ways, I think. I, I remember saying after we won the Olympics that the Olympics was the toughest event that we've ever competed in. And I think it's because now when you look at the Olympic trials um, and you look at the quality of teams and where they're ranked in the world, it's all, there's, there's a vast majority of those teams. I mean, I think the only team that's in maybe the top, 10 world ranking is uh, Nicholas Adin's team from Sweden. If I'm not mistaken, I, I don't really know all that well, but I think, I think they're the only team. The rest of the teams um, are Canadian teams. So it's extremely, extremely difficult to get out of the Olympic trials. Uh, don't get me wrong, but what I mean when I say that I think the Olympics was the toughest thing we've ever competed in, it's because um there's so much pressure associated with being team Canada in men's curling, um, playing in the Olympic games. And the pressure comes at you from all different areas. And, uh, it, it, that Canada flag starts to feel pretty heavy on your back. And really, uh, the best way I can explain winning the Olympics, uh, from, from my point of view, and even our team's point of view is we all felt extremely relieved when we had won the gold and it was all over. Um, it was like this massive weight had been lifted off of all of us. And I think that even though the competition itself, the quality of teams itself might not be as tough in the Olympic games as it is in the trials on paper, um, that Maple Leaf and all the pressure associated with it makes it even harder to win than the Olympic trials. That's my personal opinion. Mm. It must be weird because I've spoken to Olympic champions on this podcast before who have gone to other games as the champion and, and felt pressure because they've been champion before. For you, you have pressure on what people have done before you and it wasn't even to do with you. It's all just because you're representing Canada. That must be a, a pretty strange thing. Um Assuming that you, you do win at the Olympic trials and, and you end up going to Pyeongchang, um, what are some of the things that you, you've learned from the 2014 Olympic Games which you think could help you with that pressure? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a tough one to answer. Um, yeah, you know, just going back to what you said, first of all, about the pressure 
of just being team Canada. I remember feeling that pressure when we were at the Olympics of, of uh, the pressure of repeating as gold medalists for Canada three times in a row. Uh, that pressure is going to be on the winning team from the trials um, to, to make it four, whether it's us or somebody else. Um, I know that if we were to repeat as uh, the Olympic trials champions and we represented Canada at the Olympics again, um, I, I think that uh, now this is me just kind of speculating. I, I've thought about it and I think that it would be a lot harder. It would be even more difficult if we were to, to win the trials to try to go there and win back-to-back gold medals. I think the pressure would be even greater. Uh, but, you know, we're up for that challenge. Um, no team's ever done that and, and we want to do it. Uh, simple fact of the matter is we do this to win, period. Uh, whatever event we play in. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question to answer. Um, what would, what we, what have we learned from the last one? I don't even know if it would matter. Uh, I don't even know if it would matter. I think at this point in our careers, all we really try to do every time we go out and play is make sure that we show up confident. We make sure that we show up, um, in good shape, both physically and mentally. And every single game that we play in, we go out there and we leave it all out on the ice. And uh, that's really all that you have control over. That's all that you can do. Um, just go out there, give it your absolute all, and uh, and, and try to win the game uh, any which way you can. So I think that we would kind of continue with that mindset. Um, I don't, you know, it's going to be a totally different atmosphere and setting uh, than it was in Russia. And, uh, hey, if we got the opportunity to play in it again, that would be certainly quite special. Mm. Well, we'll talk a bit more about what you guys do physically and mentally in a moment. But one of the big changes in your life from the last Olympics to now is you're a father of two children now. And how has that changed your world as far as, you know, it's it can be a full time job looking after your children, but you've also got to train to try and become a, a two time Olympic champion. How how has that all been for you? Um. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little bit more difficult. Uh certainly a little bit more stressful, I would say having having two young kids. Um thank God for my wife in all honesty. Um she's unbelievable. She takes care of things when I'm away. She's, you know, she's a saint. She does everything that needs to be done at home and uh she really is something else. I mean without her it, life would be a lot harder than it already is. And, uh, I mean, life's hard for everybody. Right. So, um, it, it, it definitely has put a little bit of stress on things. Uh, but you know what, everyone's on board and it's not just me that has kids. EJ has, has a child and another one on the way. He's my cousin. He's our second on the team. So we're all kind of transitioning. My cousin Ryan, who's on our team just got married. Um, so kids I'm sure in his near future, uh, it's part of growing up. It's uh, you have to, you know, roll with the punches, learn how to adjust, uh, and keep plugging away at this thing. So, uh, but certainly, it, it helps having uh, having that special woman at home to to take care of the family. So, um, things have changed, but things have changed for the better. Mm. It sounds like you and your cousins are making another curling team. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah true never know and and of course that is the 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 special thing about your team that you do play with your cousins were you always close with them or or did you bond over curling 
Oh no, we've always been close since, uh, since we were, since we were babies, since I can remember. Um, so yeah, we do have that. It's pretty special. There's, there's no doubt about it to be able to grow up together, um, and then play a competitive sport together and then have success and really reach the, the pinnacle of, of sport and winning the Olympic gold medal is not too many people get to enjoy stuff like that directly with family members and compete on the same team. So, um, it's unbelievable. And we're, we're grateful for that. Mm, Cause it was EJ and Ryan's dad, your uncle who, who played at a pretty high level as well, didn't he? Well, yeah. So their dad is my uncle and, um, we have a mutual uncle. It, it's yeah, we're all related. So <laughs> I'm cousins, Ryan, EJ and myself are cousins. And our our uncle and their dad um, competed together in uh, national championships, the Briar uh, in in Canada, and they were great curlers in their own right. Mm. And so, when when yeah. did you start? What what age did you start then, Brad? Uh, I was ten. Yeah, I was ten years old. So, my mom brought me to the curling club, and I remember uh, first time I had ever been there. And I remember my cousin Ryan was out there uh throwing rocks and he would have been nine actually and he had already been curling for a few years at that point ej is two years older than me so he had already been curling even longer than that so um yeah my mom brought me to the club signed me up and uh fell in love with the game the best in the world podcast with richard parr Just going to take this moment to tell you about Patreon. Patreon is where you can support our show if you like what we do. If you appreciate learning from the very best sports people on the planet. And like I said to you earlier, we've done 91 episodes now. And if you want to support our show for as little as $1 a month, all I'll ask for you to do is go to patreon.com forward slash best in the world and there you can support what we do so we can keep the lights on and continue to speak to olympic champions world champions world record holders and world number ones all right let's return to the conversation with the curling olympic champion brad jacobs the best in the world podcast with richard parr When did you realize that you guys were good, that this was going to be something which you could take to a national level, a world level, and an Olympic level? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, I, think, I think for me personally, um, when you ask when did you realize you were good, I think I started to realize I was good when I was practicing um, and playing a foolish amount of games. Uh, like every single day on the weekends, um, sparing in men's league, every opportunity I got, we played together in men's league and we beat a lot of the men's teams, uh, over and over again. Uh, and we were quite young. I'd say we were, you know, in our early teens at that point. Um, I've kind of figured we could maybe, uh, do something special in curling when, uh, I went to my first junior national, I would say, and that was in 2005. Um, I believe I was 18, 19 years old. I, I can't even remember now. 2005, I think I, I would have been 19. And uh, we competed at that national. We were fourth place. We just narrowly missed the playoffs, but 
Um, that was the first year I had ever skipped as well. Uh, my first time ever skipping that year and we made it to the nationals. And for me, that was, that was pretty special for our team at the time. Um, and I actually wasn't playing with Ryan and EJ at that time. EJ had uh, maxed out in age and Ryan was on another team. Uh, but it was the first time a team had gone to uh, junior nationals out of Sault Ste. Marie in, I believe, 50 years or something like that. Uh, so it was quite special uh, to, to go to that first national and feel like you've kind of made it a little bit and, hey, maybe this can go even further. And, and of course it did and, and went to a, an amazing level of success. Um, you mentioned earlier about being physically and mentally prepared. Now, one of the great quotes that I've seen about your team is you're not curlers, you're athletes. And a lot of that is because of all of the work you, you do in the gym and you really have taken it to a different level. Give us an idea of what the type of things you are doing in the gym. Well, um, I guess everyone's different. Uh, so the program that I follow, um, is basically a full body, uh, full body, uh, exercise regime, whatever you want to call it three days a week. That's, that's really all I have time for now with, uh, with the kids and work and how busy everything is and, and practice and, and you name it. Um, not only that, but I really like doing it that way. Um, I hit every body part three days a week. And for me, I've gotten some amazing gains. Uh, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In my lower body, in my core, in my back especially. And it really, at this point, it's all about uh, longevity. I'm, I'm 32 now. Um, Ryan Fry's our, our oldest player. Can you, I don't think he's, I think he's turning 39. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to remember now, but uh, we're in our thirties and 
we want to keep playing the game, I guess, as long as we feel like we can compete, as long as we're healthy, you don't want to have too many injuries. And, uh, certainly the gym is a big part of it. Um, and, and trying to, you know, keep that longevity. You want to play for, for a long time, but not, not only that, um, I think there's a little bit of a mental edge there too. If, if I show up to, uh, an event as a skip, and this is just me speaking for myself. I mean, we are a team, uh, we're four individuals though, and everyone kind of thinks their own way. But for me, I like to, uh, know that I'm doing everything I can to be in peak physical condition going into every single event. It helps with my confidence. It helps in with my belief in, in myself and my team. Um, I like going into events knowing, you know what, I think I'm the most in shape skip in this event. I've done everything I can to prepare and train physically, mentally practice, you name it. Um, and I'm ready to go. And, and I like to, you know, look around and, and look at other skips and say, you know what, I'm in the best shape. That's something that I try to mentally tell myself. Right. And that's one of the things that keeps me going to the gym over and over and over and over again. And we've been doing it for years and years and years. So, um, I think it's, it's more of a, it's creating that mental, that edge and, uh, maybe that little bit of swagger maybe also, um, increasing your odds of winning trying to do everything you can to make your odds of winning a little bit better. Hmm. So I want to go in just a a bit more detail on what you're doing in the gym. Are we talking big compound exercises? Are we talking heavy weights, low reps? Are we talking lots of reps, low weights? And and how long are you in there for? Yeah. So the program that, uh, my, uh, personal trainers got me on. I don't ask very many questions, by the way. I like to just, he, he sends me my workouts. I go in and I follow them and I do them. And I honestly don't ask too many questions. I've asked a few questions in the past, you know, why this, why that? And he tells me, but, uh, mostly strength training. It's mostly strength training for me. Um, there's not a whole lot of cardio. And I believe that, uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of cardio in there for me because I don't sweep. So for me, it's keeping my body strong, keeping my body flexible. Um, so there it's strength training. And yeah, when I, when you talk about, um, certain exercises, I mean, there's, there's squats, there's deadlifts, there's, um, chest exercises like bench press, stuff like that. There's pull-ups, um, there's core exercises, uh, you name it. And, and yeah, I try to always, even throughout the season, try to make gains. I'm trying to add a little bit of weight every time I go to the gym. Even in season, I try to add a little bit of weight. And it varies. It varies from lower reps to higher reps. And you know what? I have full confidence and trust in in Kyle from uh, from Curling Canada. He's, he's the one who sends me my workouts. That uh, he knows what he's doing and I just follow it. Mm. You said it's a, a big thing which makes you more confident going into an event and you said it's making these these changes and having these things to give you that edge. What are the other things as part of your preparation that you've seen in the last few years in particular and, and perhaps leading up to the Olympic Games? What are some of these things that you've changed in your life where you've seen big gains in performance? Oof. Um, well... There aren't, there aren't really big gains in performance. Mm. Um, I think the gains are actually 
very minimal, very small. And when I talk about gains, um, I guess when you look at, uh, say, shooting percentage, so our coach keeps a lot of statistics. I mean, he, he's got he's got just tons of statistics. And um, really, I mean, if you can improve as a player by half a percentage, a percentage per season, that's extremely good, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And you know what? We've been consistently doing that. And I don't know if it comes so much from like rigorous, rigorous training and, and trying to get all kinds of gains and stuff like that. It's, it's just continuing to work hard, both on and off the ice, continuing to put in the time uh, and do the things that you need to do in order to feel confident and feel like you can win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of that simple. And as we get older and we continue to play with one another and our experience gets that much more each season, I mean, I guess it's kind of only natural to progress um, at a nice pace. And, and we've seen that. Mm. You, you said a lot there about being confident, turning up to events confident, and, and that helps. And we've also spoken about you being an Olympic champion and kind of the pressure it might have on you when you hopefully qualify for the next Olympic Games. But in that time since Sochi, since 2014, in in the last few years, has being the Olympic champion helped in any way as you've gone to competitions? I don't think so, no. I don't think so very much. Um, I think it's actually created a little bit of a target, especially at first. Um, it's uh, There's still a lot of pressure that comes with being an Olympic champion. Um, that That target, everyone... Everyone wants to beat you at all times. I think it's made things um, actually a lot more difficult. There's a lot of teams in Canada who have come up over the last three years who've kind of come up out of nowhere and have made our lives a lot harder. Um, And I think that there was even a time when uh, there was about a four-month period, I believe it was uh, 2015, we had a really rough patch. We... We just couldn't win uh, playoff games. We were losing out in quarterfinals all the time, and that was that was extremely tough. It was hard to take mentally. It was it was taxing on our team, um, our relationships with one another. So um, after the Olympics, it, it's been hard. It's been hard. We haven't won a Canadian men's championship. We've been close. Uh, we played in the final. We've played in the semifinal. We've actually gone downhill. <laughs> we came second, third, and fourth. Um, but we still had our opportunities. We haven't been able to, to close any of those opportunities in the huge events. Well, being the, the briar, um, but we have one world curling tour events. We've had good seasons. We had a, I think we had a really good season last year that uh, if we can improve on that slightly, I think uh, we'll be pretty deadly. So um, we've had our ups and downs. I think it's challenging uh, being the Olympic champion, coming back from the Olympics, um, having that target on your back. I think that target is still there, but there's other teams that have targets too. Like Gushu's team now has a huge target. I think Kui's team has a huge target. They won the Briar uh, two years ago, and and the teams are are all very close. And McEwen's team very close. Like they're you know they could go to the trials. I mean, there's so many teams, right? Or the Olympics. I mean, um, so yeah. I mean, looking forward to competing though. That's all, mm-hmm. that's all I can say what then you know you said last year went very well 2015 was not a very good year what how did you kind of like snap out of those those performances 
was it just time or did you have to spend a little bit of time away from each other or did you analyze what went wrong or, or what, what do you think was the difference between those two years? Uh, well, that, that one season I was talking about was, was uh, a weird season. Um, do you follow much curling? Uh, I don't. Uh, did, do you remember hearing in the media anything about the brooms and all that situation and everything that was going on with curling brooms and fabrics at the time? Uh, no, but if, if, if you, if no. you could in, in, in t- just tell us a little bit about that, Brad, without going into to yeah, too I can much tell detail. You. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, Cole's notes of it are teams were using different style brooms, different um, types of fabrics that were uh, manipulating the rock a lot. And uh, our team struggled with that. We, we were kind of, we kind of felt like we caught on to it a lot later than other teams. Everything's good now. Like every, everything's pretty good now in terms of, we all use the same fabric. I mean, we, um, there's been some rules and some regulations put in place around those things and, and curling's back to being normal, but it was a really funny year and, um, a really funny season. And, uh, it wasn't, it didn't really feel like, like real curling and the curling that, everyone was used to and there were a couple teams that really caught on to how to manipulate the rock well and I kind of felt like our team was one of the last teams to the party we got good at it too late in the season but man it was it was a weird season so um, that's kind of what happened Uh, once we caught on to that and we kind of got some confidence back and then the new rules came back in or sorry the new rules came into place and fabrics were all equal and everyone was pretty much doing the same thing to the rock and you could only do so much. And, um, curling was kind of pretty well back to normal. Um, our team became super confident again. And that was, uh, all that came into place at the beginning of last season. And like I said, we had a really good year. We were, we were not far off. I I think from, um, doing even better than we did. We had a great year. We won, uh, two Grand Slams, which are really big events. We were in four finals of, of Grand Slam events. Uh, we won another World Curling Tour event, and uh, we had a great year. So uh, going into next year, I think it's definitely something to feed off. It's definitely something, knowing that we're so close, and we were so close last year, and we felt like we were very close, um, only is giving us more motivation going into next season. And we know that uh, no team uh, from Canada and men's or women's has ever repeated as an Olympic trials champion and, uh, and gone on to win gold back to back. And, uh, we're certainly, we're, we're well aware of the situation and the opportunity that we have, and we want to leave no stone unturned, give it all we've got. Um, that's what we're doing this summer training. That's what we're going to do when we hit the ice in September. And, uh, hopefully with a little bit of luck, things will go our way. Mm, fingers crossed um um it'd be amazing if you could do it uh brad just give us an insight into what is your typical pre-game routine what are some of the things you do do you have any superstitions or anything like that yeah so pre-game routine um so for us uh the game starts two hours before so if the game's at uh say 3 p.m uh we start warming up at 1 p.m uh, it, it's usually it's, it's two hours before, uh, depending on whether we have to drive to the arena or if we're staying really close or whatever the situation may be, but we're always, 
in the gym warming up. We show up to games um, and the arena already warmed up. We don't really need to stretch or warm up once we're at the arena. That's one of the things that we like to do. We like to get our blood flowing. We like to get our minds going, uh, thinking about the game well in advance. So we we start two hours before with all that stuff and uh, and and hit the ice. Um, there's not a whole lot more to it than that. It's it's a car ride usually to the game. Uh, play some tunes. Um, we'll eat well in advance. Uh, we'll throw our drink the pink BioSteel powder into our drinks and head out on the ice and uh, and ready to play. What are the tunes, Brad? What are the tunes? A lot of house music. <laughs> a lot of house music. I'm not actually the hugest fan of that stuff, but uh, EJ and Ryan are. And you know what? In the moment, um, when we're going to games, it, it does get everybody pumped up, so it's good. And what about the food? What are you eating before a big game? Oh, depends. Um, everyone's kind of different. Um, one thing's for sure. We don't like to to eat and then go to a game that's uh that's a little too much we usually have some sort of snack uh granola bar or some sort of energy bar uh for the game uh but definitely don't like playing on a full stomach um we'll eat i would say anywhere four to five hours before game time uh so that even when we warm up we're not too full everybody's different though i i would say when we're on the road we try to eat as healthy as we can um, you get a little bit of carbs in you, get a little bit of protein in you, and away you go. Mm. Well, it's been really good to talk to you, Brad. Thank you for, for that insight. Thank you for your time today on the program. All the best for the trials and, and hopefully for the Olympic Games and see if you can become the first team to successfully retain the Olympic gold medal. Um, just before you go, Brad, can you let us know where we can find you online and on social media so we can continue to follow your journey, please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have all that social media stuff. We have a website, uh, Team Brad Jacobs, TeamJacobs.com. Anything and everything that you can find is either at Team Brad Jacobs or at Team Jacobs or Team Jacobs on Facebook, uh, Team Jacobs on Instagram. Look us up. Uh, we usually have a lot of cool content going on, so uh, especially in season, and we get a lot of interacting going on. So look us up. Fantastic. Well, Brad Jacobs, thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for being the best in the world. Hey, Richard, thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Thanks again to Brad for appearing on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. If you're a curling fan, we have spoken to a curler before in the form of Eve Muirhead. She's been on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. You can listen to it on iTunes, on sportachino.com or at acast.com forward slash best. If you're a Winter Olympics fan, it's not very far away from Pyeongchang, is it? Well, we've spoken to some amazing Winter Olympic athletes on this podcast. Maybe go back and listen to my conversation with Julia Mancuso. I've also spoken to Johnny Mosley. I've also spoken to the speed skater Joachim Oidetahar. If I've said his name right, please. I hope I've said it right. 
Anyway, they're all on the archives, on iTunes, on Acast, and at sportsachino.com. All right, we'll be back here next week for episode 92, learning more from the greatest sports stars on the planet. If you like this show, please head to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash best in the world. That's it from me. I'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.